What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Dogs Basketball Podcast. Another semi-somber edition. Because the Dogs lost Tuesday night, we will talk about this loss Tuesday night. Been a couple days off to gather everything from this, and obviously we're just putting it off in general for the day before our next game, which we will also talk about the Wichita State Shockers at the end for tomorrow's game. I'm Nick Malone, joined by Noah Lurch. And Noah, this is... I already feel like I'm already semi-monotoned kicking this thing off for some reason, and we clearly know why. I mean, Lost Tuesday Night is a inexcusable one. It is one that gives us flashbacks. It's deja vu from just a season ago. As soon as we beat with Oklahoma State, something bad happens. And honestly, when we were talking, we thought we were rolling enough to where we were going into this game, and that honestly never crossed my mind. Maybe we talked about it a little bit, but no, that's exactly what happened. Back-to-back years of a terrible loss after – that big win. What's going on? Yeah, it's just another disappointing, I mean, game. I mean, just just the way things ended up. I mean, you're up nine at halftime. We'll dive into it. But where it ends up, just not closing the deal. And, yeah, like you said, I mean, it, it wasn't exactly like last year's coming off a big win, just going to get your butts whooped. But you had a very good opportunity to – keep this thing rolling into a very difficult place to play tomorrow night. So it's just very disappointing. And just the, the small things that obviously we'll dive into, but that ends up letting Austin P win that game. It just sucks. It sucks a lot. And, you know, we knew what Austin P had coming in. They had talent, they had certain players, but, Never in our wildest dreams would we would have thought this would be a team that would ruin our 24-game non-conference home winning streak. And that's exactly what happens in a two-point defeat. You said it there. I mean, nine-point lead at half below that. We could, we blew a couple, you know, barely over double-digit leads in this game. And it was because it was another game of a tale of two halves. Pretty sure we were shooting 55% from the field in the first half. and ended up shooting, I think, 30 in the second but this stat right here, they held us without a field goal over the final five minutes of the game, outscoring us 39 to 28 in the second half. So, again, that's kind of the wide scope of this game. This pretty much should be a takeaways version of this. And we know Xavier Johnson continues to be fantastic, Continue also continues to start slow in games, then he figures it out. He had over 30 again, and he's still the leading scorer in the country with 25 a game on the dot. I mean, and well, that'll be one of these takeaways is he 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 cannot do it by himself. We'll talk about we've mentioned we'll talk about Wichita at the end of this, and we have other things. We have some breaking news as of just a couple hours ago of the roller coaster of what the NCA wants to do for these transfers and these waivers to allow them to play. There's mention in this window here that we'll that you know players are able to play. We'll dive into what that can mean for one. Gym. Hensley going into tomorrow night. We will talk about that throughout this. But no, like I said, this game, that was the wide scope of this takeaways wise. I mean, it was a, um, well, in general, this is the game. This is like the biggest thing we think. I mean, there's other things that I have a lot here takeaways wise. But no, this was a non Scotty Abube game, which is the biggest deal of all this in the end because there are parts throughout this game where. They got the best of us in moments where Scotty could have easily helped us. Clarence did not play well, notably at the free throw line, just getting defensive rebounds. It was everything else. I said that stat there where they kept us scoreless. 
a lot of different things that Scotty Abube can help in this. And you no, know, as we know, that team, they started a uh, you know, a shorter center in their starting lineup. We saw Hansel Emanuel in this game. They didn't go too big. They had a 7-3, 350-pound player on the bench that's needing a waiver. He could very well start to play for them now as we speak. They also had another big man that came in and played well. It's like, well, he shouldn't be playing well. We should not let him be doing this, and he did. Know your thoughts on diving also to what Brian said after the game about, about not playing Scotty, because, again, this is where we rightfully should lead off, because, again, those critical rebounds we didn't get, Scotty would have got. Also could have scored at will on the offensive ends. We are trying to gather anything we can of what makes sense as to why Scotty did not play, and there is none. Yeah, it's still – I mean, I just really don't understand how they've treated him since he's got here. I mean, getting a red shirt but probably could have helped that team along with Foster Wonder shooting. We've talked about a million times their freshman year. They just continued to, all right, we're red shirting them, which is fine. And then he uses – then we he gets questioned, which thank, thank God for Rodney Watson. If Rodney Watson wasn't on the broadcast, we wouldn't – probably – Somebody else doesn't ask because Rodney's a, obviously a former coach and he sees these type of things and he asks and we get the answer of, well, Scotty's fine. He's just got to keep working in practice. We could have stole maybe a minute with him in there and that's just a blasphemy a response and a terrible answer. Uh, it's just if you would have made up, oh, he, had, he may have pulled something in warm-ups or something like that to get around it, but just saying that he needs to get better. That's exact. They've been treating this kid the same way since he got here. And the fact that he can, he's still engaged on the bench, not sulking is a credit to him, but this is a type of game. You, they have a small, they're, we're trying to match their small, really small lineup compared to what we play small ball. And I, it was just been a big advantage to just put Scotty in there for about five to six minutes in the half, and he could have got you some points, and you probably you would have definitely won this game. And another guy that didn't play, I, I felt like we could have used our depth a little bit more. We haven't seen him a lot, but R.J. McGee could have played in this game, and they were playing so short, short-handed. They don't have a lot of depth on that team. We could have used our depth against them, even though R.J. We haven't seen a lot out of him. Scotty's up and down he plays really hard we could have used those two guys easily in this game no doubt and he he did not do himself any favors for answering it as poorly as he did on the radio you know he was monotone he seemed upset which rightfully so everybody is and yes thankfully ronnie did ask about him and yeah he gave a quick it's the one thing that he said well we could have used him a couple minutes here or there that's the worst thing he could have said because there's I feel like as a coach and as definitely as polarizing as he is in general, you don't need to admit to something you clearly should have done because it just shows you mismanaged the game. And that's part of this too. He continues to mismanage games. We talked about the end of the first half at Oklahoma state, those two points that Bryce Thompson score could have easily impacted the game. It almost did. And then this one where it's really just the rotations and he has been bad with rotations his whole career whether it's just the timing of taking someone out. If someone hasn't been in that long and they scored six straight points, they end up coming out for some reason. It's because we've been kind of coming to a come-to-Jesus moment over the last you know couple of days uh, just talking about Brian and talking about what he does. And it's it's just odd because, he, you know, he's, he's pretty stubborn. I mean, that's not too crazy to say one bit in terms of even whatever his staff would tell him. His staff just tells him analytical things, which – 
we think it's a bad thing to an extent. You you need to, you know, get in touch with everything in the current game, which analytics is. But he has, what, Vince Fritz coming up to him, whispering something in his ear about, hey, it's this on the clock, blah, blah, blah. Whatever he could be telling him that makes him think, okay, well, this guy needs to come out at a bad time when it doesn't need to. And just the, the subbing in and out for offense and defense, all those little things that comes with easy coaching and easy management of a game. But not playing a guy that easily could have impacted it because – You'd never match somebody because I feel like that, that you know, just fed right into what they wanted to do, let alone at the final play of the game when X got covered and it gave us a timeout with nine seconds left and X had the ball. We flashed us back to all the times that Marcus had the ball last and didn't get a shot up. We, of course, didn't get a shot up because they double teamed X at the half court line and then he ends up turning it over. They have, of course, Brian was saying, oh, he should have gave it to Troy. It's like, well, you're the one putting in the ball in his hands in the first place, letting him do something. You should have been prepared for what they should have – what you – everyone should have known they were going to do to X. And McKinney get barely across half court, jump ball, it's their ball, the game's over. But playing Scotty when he's got a five-inch mismatch on everybody else out there that you don't feed into them and, you know, mixing and matching with small ball. I just feel like you don't do that when it's – you do the opposite of what a team is. I've always been a big matchup person. You go the opposite of that. You try to create the biggest mismatch – you possibly can, but that's the biggest thing of this. You don't play Scotty again. You don't get rebounds when you need to. You could have gave it to him in the post, scored at will. Everything. Scotty is passing good. He's doing everything perfect, and you said it there. They've treated him like crap since he's gotten here. The fact that he stayed loyal, we said, you know, wouldn't surprise us. So I, I guarantee Brian doesn't keep him out of a game the rest of the way, barring something else. But I think he's learned his lesson in this game for that, for that reason alone, and we wouldn't be surprised if we see him playing somewhere else at the end of the season because that's how it's been for him. And granted, he got hurt on the scooter. That's his own fault. But it has been a roller coaster for Scotty for, for the most part. So everything we both said there I think is is warranted to say about Brian and Scotty, and it's ridiculous how he didn't play in this game. And a terrible answer from Brian on the radio. Noah, some other things of mismanaging through a game is the how X and Troy played 40 minutes. And – that was we know we saw Troy struggle in this game. We saw everybody struggle, but we saw points where it was like when a guy is struggling, take him out of the game. I mean, Troy was hitting the bottom of the rim on some things. He was, he was, you know, he was had the ability to score on some guards at the rim, and you know he missed and stuff. And it's like, and I'm not singling him out. I'm saying anybody else, but just thinking of the guys who played 40 minutes. I mean, you're clearly going to keep X out there as long as you can, but. No, you got to take those guys out because let alone the fact that they're the two guys that dealt with injuries all offseason and everything. It's like you shouldn't be doing the wear and tear of these guys. Manage a game where you can take them out here or there at times and not do 40 minutes. No, your, your thoughts on that because that tied into Trey Miller playing one of his best games on the season too. You said Arjun McGee should have played, no doubt. Factor it into also Trent Brown struggling, and that's the name of Trent's game. If he's not making shots, he's kind of worthless out there. Your thoughts on that, and then your ex and Troy playing a full game, which doesn't that does not need to happen. Yeah, it's just another thing where I've been very harping on Brian since since he's taken over here. I mean, the rotations and running guys into the ground. I mean, if you're asking two guys that have been banged up, like you said, in the offseason to play 40 minutes against an Austin P team, they're not going to make it to March when you need them most. So I just don't understand. It just pretty, pretty much clearly shows that Sheridan Sharp, you're cleared to play. We're not putting you in any non-conference games. You're red shirting. It shows, I mean, 
you have two healthy guys that didn't play a single minute. So the injury excuses of without having AJ and obviously the, with the Jarrett situation, I just don't, that's where I put those aside because you have two healthy bodies that could help you, but you're running those two guys that have been banged up into the ground. And we ever, we even heard from a close source, a real source close to Troy that he's still not a hundred percent and you're just going to let him play 40 minutes. You got to find these guys breathers and you have plenty of depth on this team. You said at the beginning of the season, Brian Mullins, this is your most talented team and it's yet to show it because it's a one man crew because Troy and Clarence Trent, too much of a roller coaster came back down to earth of shooting 50% from three. He missed his first one, lost all confidence. Wasn't really looking to shoot. Think he ended up taking another one in the second half. It's just those three guys and Jovan even uh, roller coasters. And that's what this team's going to be until you show the depth and you play the guys you should. And it's going to, I mean, X can only put you, I mean, I don't care. Four turnovers had the big one to the end, but 31, eight and seven, you can't say a bad thing about Xavier Johnson playing 40 minutes. And even Troy had a, had a, I mean, not a bad game. It wasn't one of his better games, but 10, five and three. I mean, and he was, had a, had a key block at one time, I think too. So, I mean, I, it just really, you got outplayed, you got outcoached. I mean, Clarence Rupert got out hustled in that second half. It just, I mean, maybe, five minutes of Scotty Abube in the first half. Clarence has the extra effort to go get those boards. I don't know, but this one was all on Brian Mullins that night. I felt like. No, you're hundred percent right. It's, it's the rotations that fed into why we lost this game. It's the non-breathers. It's the guys you didn't play. You said it there with Clarence that effort was not there at all. You don't get, I mean, we said a lot in the tweets and on the final tweet, they got punked in the second half. We mentioned what they shot from the field but, you know, and give credit to Austin P. You know, I didn't want to let that slide by either. A lot of people were making a big deal of this game at the end, which rightfully so. You know, a team that – and that's why we're so upset about this one, not only because we wanted to keep the streak alive, because we wanted to just keep us – you know, our non-conference borderline perfect, but it's because they're not rated very well at all. And you lose at home to a team that, you know, okay, yeah, isn't rated, but they, they played well. We'll give them that. And they were a team that was – Really quick, I forgot how short Desi Jones was. We joked because when the preview we said, "How is Jamonte Black this big all of a sudden?" And I'm, we we did we recruited Desi Jones in the portal and say, "I didn't know he was this small." I mean, Kennard was guarding him at times, and it's like put X on him or someone that can keep, you know stay in front of him. Put Trey Miller in there more to stay in front. I mean, he was dribbling in circles around the paint and then finding Jamonte Black for a wide open three. That's how they got back in this game. That's how they shot so well. They shot fifty percent from three in the second, I think. So. Um, it was effort. It was, uh, I mean, the roller coasters, as you said, there, everyone in their own way. It's, you know, Troy will show those weird signs, as we said in those games, but then he'll hit a three or he'll, he'll, you know, score at the rim or he'll get a big block. But it's like, and everybody can't play perfect in a game. We realize that, but you can't have signs of awesome and then signs of terrible. Like all these guys have it. Clarence with his effort, you said it. If you put those Scotty in there, that upsets Clarence. Like, I should be playing over Scotty. You know, they're close. They have good chemistry. But it's like, you know, Clarence is ticked that he came out and Scotty's in there. So that makes Clarence go in there and work harder so they don't take him out for Scotty. That's just – it's the name of it all. That's why – how are we saying this whenever the staff should know this? So it definitely is a Brian game uh, because he uh, – everything we just said, they're putting too much on guys' plates or not playing certain guys' uh, – but, yeah, you can't lose. And we said this, Illinois State Marcus last year throughout his whole career, 
you cannot lose when these guys score 30 points. And there was a stat also that Luke and them had was in our wins when and X is scoring over 30, every, you know, there's at least six different players that score over 10 points, and that's the average in certain wins. And our losses, if X still puts up 25 to 30, nobody's, nobody else scores over 10. So it just shows you how you are. Like if we lose, it's either really bad or it's heartbreaking it's not like just a set, steady, okay, we just lost this game. Or And, and if we win, we've been winning by huge margins except for Oklahoma State. So it, it, it's been a roller coaster as a team, but definitely player-wise. And, yeah, Trent can't get some balls to fall and give him credit for, you know, guarding Black at some points on defense, and he did okay on defense, but he wasn't really doing anything else. It's like you can't have him out there whenever he's struggling like that. Um, and, um, and, and it just shows that – Teams are going to make it to where we, you know, they're going to make someone else on our team beat us if it's not X. And that hurts not having A.J. Ferguson right now, who is over, like, really aggressive, and it's nice. And then, obviously, the aforementioned Jared Hensley, who we very well could see soon. Like, just extra bodies that could help because, yeah, if R.J. ain't going to play and Trey's not going to play more and Scotty's not going to touch the court, you're limited, bigger than crap. So, some more takeaways here. No, you said we're, we're going to live with – we're going to live with anything X does the rest of the way. If he turns it over, who cares? Because he is all you have. And, um, you know, turnovers, everything, shots, who cares? X, man, this is this is your team. We'll live with anything you do, good or bad. And there are some, there are moments of really bad that he does, but it, 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 we rely on him so much until proven otherwise. And then you mentioned Sheridan. Yeah, just redshirt him. If you're not going to play him here when he's fully healthy than these next two games and – Maybe we'll see him at conference play, but just go ahead and redshirt him. And then some other things here, because saying that with X, it seems like we're like that with Kennard, too. Kennard's a freshman. He can, He's the one that you can actually live with mistakes over anybody else that's got college experience. He did have a bad foul in Jamonte Black that led to three free throws on a three, but he was playing great defense again. He was, you know, he had three threes in this game. He was awesome. Once again, he continues to be a spark for this team. And, um, I mean, no, overall, I mean, clearly we're not finishing first halves well. That's been the case the last two games. And I'll get some quick other takeaways here before I get your final thoughts. Clearly this, you know, the Indiana State and Austin P losses have, have proven to us that you need to be – you can be an elite offensive team and have adequate defense to win games, to beat teams that are like us that are elite defensively and adequate or less on offense. It shows that that's how you win in college basketball – this is not 2007 anymore when Brian played where you can win a game in the 40s and 50s. We've done it before, sure, in his tenure, but it's 2023. you got to score the ball. you got to do stuff. So it shows that if you're able to score it well on good defensive, on really good defensive teams and you show stingy enough defense, you can easily beat teams like that. So it stinks that that's not our philosophy. We're the other way around because uh, Indiana State and Austin Peay are perfect examples of that. And then overall, Tamino, before I get your final thoughts on it, it – after a loss like this, it, it does seem like the sky is falling, even though clearly we said it. Like, we just wanted James Madison and maybe Wichita to be our only two non-conference losses at the pace we were on. And this loss kind of does some weird things from morale. We said it on the tweet and people were kind of calling us out, which is weird. But it's like, you know, how can we not? I mean, the team – the only thing the team can do is go in there and obviously – and you have a tough game. I mean, what you said it here was – or you said it before – if we won this game, we would have took a big loss at Wichita State. You just needed to win this game overall. And, again, the sky isn't falling, but it's it, it's close of where you currently are. You need to find a way to win tomorrow night. But, no, your overall final thoughts on this on this disappointing loss. Yeah, it's just a bummer where back-to-back -back years here, you get a statement win and 
kind of get some nationwide talk and you just come back and let it down to me this this feels worse than the Indiana State loss because we know how good of an Indiana State is I mean I mean credit like we said credit to Austin P they had the talent but they're shortened they have a shortened bench we we had the more depth and it just sucks that seeing our staff get out coached the way they did and just in critical moments and not coming down our way. I mean, I think legs definitely showed in the second half, only shooting 30% from the field, one of eight from three, 12 and a half percent. I mean, if it wasn't for X getting the line to the line and being very good, uh, we don't, they, they could potentially run away with that in the second half. I mean, it just sucks seeing guys like, I mean, Javante Black playing 40 minutes, but he, he had a lot more energy than our guys at, at the end. So it just sucks. You had you had a big game to continue momentum and continue that home win streak of non-conference play, and it slips away. Only four bench points in this one. Had double-digit turnovers again. Uh, I mean, Austin P only had six. So they had some timely shots, but in the end, this is, this is all out-coached, out-played, out-hustled type of game. So, I mean – it is what it is, and there's only 4,400 there for a crowd. Um, so it sucks. But, I mean, we expected this team to struggle at some points this season, but different. Uh, it, and it's ended up being some of the games we, we didn't expect it to happen. Yeah, they should not have lost this game. That's bottom line. I mean, that's clear as day. No matter what kind of talent they have, they're kind of one of those undisciplined teams that just chuck up shots, and they were a team that – thrived on isolation and they found their way to have shots and they just stormed a comeback. And it was one of those things. They played like they had nothing to lose. And again, around the country, this game was deemed, they were like team of the week or something or team of the day amongst like field of 68 mid-major. And so a lot of people are making a big deal about it, but uh, it shows the kind of caliber we were going into this. And clearly it shows what they were coming into this as well. They were a lackluster team. So it happens. I mean, there was another big game. We'll get when we dive into this other games in general. I mean, it happens. Upsets happen but not whenever you're a team that needs to thrive off home, you know, wins, home victories for a season that's, you know, is in, in some facets unsure. We knew that to start, like you need to thrive on these home wins and you let one slip away in the end. So that's, that's that. Yeah. So a two point loss. And again, if we would have scored seven, we would have got buy one, get one boneless wings too. They had that as an option. So we were upset about that as well on top of it. But, again, not getting a shot up at the end. That's what hurts the most. So, we're moving on for this game. We'll talk about near the end. No, let's dive into um, the NCAA stuff or, obviously, Valley stuff. But let's start off with the stuff we were talking about with Jared earlier. You you brought to my attention just a couple hours ago. But what the NCAA has finally stated of their most recent thing as of just, you know, like I said, a couple hours ago, Jeff Borzello had a – of ESPN had an article talking about it. And we know just take, you know, we thought yesterday that this was, you know, they were going to screw the players over again. And there was a window and it's because of Jaquan battle for trying to play for West Virginia. He got that whole, uh, you know, legal system involved with that for the NCAA. And there's been a history of the NCAA losing these kind of, you know, lawsuits and stuff. So it was, and we, we listened to a snippet of uh, Luke Martin this past Saturday on Sports Voice talking about how Jared was close anyway. Like a lot of things were in his favor. And then the roller coaster of these news the last couple of days. But now it's official after two days, quote, after two days of eligibility, eligibility uncertainty for transfers, a bipartisan state based coalition and NCA filed on Friday a joint motion requesting an extension of Wednesday's temporary restraining order against the NCA's transfer policy. 
end quote. Noah, just mentioned the 14 days that the players are allowed to play before that important December 27th hearing to where they can finally get the official word they can play all season. But, no, I think this this means the guys are going to be able to play the rest of the year. That's kind of what this signifies, and this is just a window per se. What else should we know about this? Like I said, it's been a roller coaster. Your thoughts on it? And clearly it matters for a lot of players around the country, but it matters for us because we need Jared Hensley in a big way. This is clearly a good sign, and the NCAA is finally coming to their senses in some way. Yeah, I mean it's a it's it's a huge win for the athletes and also the fans and just the rule of the law that especially shows what fraudulent company or organization the NCAA is and coming down to certain rulings and where they need to be clear in certain certain rules of what they're trying to say and certain different scenarios exactly what happened because we've seen it way too much this year and now that this 14 day window or whatever going on is I mean it's been confusing the last 48 hours of all right he has a chance to play potentially and then they overnight change their ruling back to uh, it would count against your eligibility and now it's already flipping so we could wake up tomorrow morning on game day and they could flip back I don't know anymore but it just shows you how the NCAA is and hopefully uh, I mean obviously uh, hopefully it gets on the floor if he's if they are going to allow him to play or even if he wakes up and gets a waiver or gets a waiver, I don't know exactly what's taken so long, exactly how close he is. But like you said, it sounds like he's pretty close and he would be a big lift. I mean, listen to the, the preview for tomorrow's game on the radio of Rodney and them. And Rodney said it, it gives them, it gives them their fourth big man. Well, you, you only play really, one, I mean, Troy's not really a big man. He's One and a half. Three, yeah, he's at three or four, so I don't know how it gives you a fourth big man and gives you some depth because it, you don't know when Scotty Abube is going to play like we just talked about. So he's definitely going to be a big boost. He's going to be – I hope he's not a big man. I would just play him and Scotty next to each other off the bench so you can get Troy a break because, like we said, he's he's still not 100%, and you got to find ways to get X to breather too. So – uh, it should be all hand decks before you get into conference play and make sure you don't run guys in the ground. Exactly. And just adds another body. Jared should not be an extra big. He should be that mix of versatility that we preached from the beginning since he got here of, you know, a trailer, you know, the inbounder, the trailer, the four man, pretty much the three or the four man is how his skill set is. It's how he needs to be used. He's slender. If you put him at the five, he's going to get bullied in the paint. I think he can hold his own in terms of his length if he goes straight up or something, but he's going to get, he's going to get attacked physically down there. You don't need to put him in those kind of situations. And we're talking how it's like, we're talking how we think they're going to do him and say, well, we don't even know, you know, we're hoping he plays tomorrow and they need him tomorrow because Wichita has also got a player that's potentially eligible and could play tomorrow as well. So everybody needs these players in their own way. Um, but they should use him in that way. If you use him as a five at one point, then you use Troy as a four. And if you keep X out and you don't have Trey Miller in the game and Sheridan's not playing, then you can have Troy as the point guard like you have been doing and have Jared in there if you don't have Clarence and Scotty on the bench. Well, yeah, play Jared next to Scotty. That's just how it needs to go. We know Jared is not going to get thrown in the lineup as he should not. He, you know, if he works his way towards that, you know, throughout the rest of the season, and so be it. But right now, clearly come off the bench and 
give him important minutes. But again, we just talked about how the mismanagement of rotations. We don't know how he's going to be used if he plays tomorrow or when he finally does. We're hoping it is tomorrow. But yeah, the whole 14 day rule, they're going to make people lose a year of eligibility if they play within these two week period. And then, you know, they slept on it the first night, said we're going to do that. And they slept on it again. And then now they're doing it to where it's pretty much going to be permanent that everybody will. They said it's the best outcome for multiple time transfer student athletes wishing to compete immediately. That's a quote. So shout out to West Virginia and their uh, lawsuit system to be able to do this, saving the NCAA and its players. It's a lot better when people can play and help their respective teams. So, yeah, hopefully we will. We see Jared. We'll talk about him near the end again. Uh, Noah, let's talk. Let's talk about the Val, what Valley team has been doing and some other notable games around the NCAA. Clearly, there's some other big ones that don't you know, impact the NBC as, you know, on its own, but teams have been doing pretty decent, you know, teams like Drake have turned their, you know, their season around for the most part being that dominant self. They have been, they have a notable part of their team that their red shirt and they announced recently It's stuff like that. Dive into everything that we've known around the Valley recently. Yeah. And we knew there were some couple other games we were following during our game on Tuesday night. Uh, Green Bay goes into UIC and beats them. That's a bad loss for UIC. Uh, 70-68, so we're not exact two bad losses for the Valley end up the same score. And also that night, UNI blows out Prairie View A&M. Uh, Nate Heiss, Icy had a career high, 25 points. So big win for UNI. They've been struggling, obviously, with their tough schedule. Uh, then on Wednesday, Murray State played a really tough game at Mississippi State. Uh, with about a minute and a half to go, Jacoby Wood hit a three to take a two-point lead, but they fall 85-81 to the Bulldogs, which is a really good basketball team. Rob Perry had 21. Um, that was a really good game down the stretch. Then Drake takes care of Grambling, 68-56. Wasn't a pretty win, but another career high for somebody. Connor Enright, 18 points for them. Um, He's done pretty well. Just really think – Drake has struggled. They only had a five-point lead at halftime. I think they're struggling with. I mean, Tucker's not 100%. He's been dealing with, I think, ankle and knee-ish, knee injuries. Um, then, like you mentioned, a guy they we expected and we really wanted. I mean, Tucker was 3 of 17 and 1 of 9 from 3 in that game. But uh, a guy, Ethan Roberts, we wanted officially redshirting. We're not exactly sure, assuming it's an injury, not – they haven't said anything public um, in that one. So that's a big loss for them because he was going to come in here and be a really good basketball player for them and be that second star they really needed. Um, yeah, then other games, I mean, one that would if we would have won would have helped our non-con resume. Chicago State goes into Northwestern and knocks them off. That's a crazy win for them um, to go in there and where Purdue went in and got beat – Chicago State goes and wins, so it's just it just shows you. I mean, it's still not over our loss on Tuesday night, but that just shows any night in college basketball and definitely in any sport, wild things can happen. Yeah, again, Drake, it's weird. I mean, the fact that they're not going to have Ethan Roberts is yeah. We were beyond hype. Had him on. I don't think you did, which maybe you saw the future. I had I had him in all. NBC newcomer just because yeah you score that much as a freshman you come here it's kind of like what we see with Trey Miller I mean two different things and I wouldn't think that Ethan Roberts just can't cut it at Drake and their bench is not good and so that's the thing it's like you're redshirting for other reasons it's like well Darren you could probably use them every team has got their own different thing but yeah they they scrape by Grambling 
they have, I think, a crazy home non-conference win streak too. I want to say somebody mentioned it, but uh, yeah, they're squeaking by, but they're ten and one all of a sudden, and they're them and Indiana State are trading off for who people think in these bracketology is going to make it and who's higher on what things and all that stuff. We'll talk about net here in a second. Yeah, Bradley is the only team playing tonight. They are tied with Cleveland State right now, about 10 minutes left in the first half. It's a good matchup for them. We knew about some players that went to Cleveland State in the portal. Bradley needs all the wins they can get around this time of year, as a lot of others as well. Outside of our game tomorrow, there are some other games. The earliest of the bunch, Ball State, is is playing Indiana State in the Indy Classic. So, could I mean, Ball State's 8-2. and two. They're a fine program. Expect Indiana State to win that and get to their own 10-1. and UIC hosts Western Michigan. Um, we know UIC lost a game recently. They shouldn't have either. It was a bad, you know, two games for us and them this past Tuesday night. Uh, Missouri State at Tulsa. Interesting game. Missouri State should go in and win that one like we didn't or couldn't a couple years ago. Belmont's at Samford. Maybe they can get them back on track there with uh, – I mean, is AJ Stad McCray still there? Have we talked about that recently? He might still be there, isn't he? Sure yeah, he is. So yeah, so that's interesting matchup for them. Chicago State coming off that huge win at Northwestern. Yeah, it is college basketball. That's exactly what it is. I mean, Purdue lost at Northwestern, and then Chicago State goes in there and win. We beat Chicago State by twenty five at our place. So it's just how sports is. It's insane. But they could go continue it. Watch them go at Valpo and lose. Those are two really bad. Rated teams, even though Chicago State probably went up decent after that win, of course. But um, there's that. And then Murray hosts Southeast Louisiana at three. A lot of these games are at three o'clock and two o'clock. Then Evansville at Bellarmine. Four and seven Bellarmine. I expect Evansville maybe to get that win. By the time we come to you guys next, we'll probably be early next week. So on Sunday, Northern Iowa hosts Alcorn State. Should get a big dub there. Alcorn's one and nine. And then Illinois State hosts the team that we have coming into Banterra Center next. North Dakota State, who beat a really low school by almost 100 points recently, expect the Redbirds to – I don't know. That's interesting. We'll see. We'll know a lot about both teams after that game, I would think, and then we'll talk about the games in early next week at that point at that time. So, no, dive into what the net rankings are and the Kempom, obviously, where we are and what other notable Valley teams are at. Even like I mentioned, if we can find Chicago Stadium where they're at, but Indiana State continues to be really high on those on all those. Yeah, after after getting almost to the top one hundred in Kim Palm, we fell to one sixteen after that loss there. Uh like you said, other valley schools I think Indiana State at fifty four is the highest scrolling down here. Drake at seventy one. Um uh, scrolling a little bit more. I think Missouri State's top there. Bradley at 104. Wichita at 107. So that's your opponent for tomorrow night. We'll dive into them. Uh, then right behind us, Missouri State's at 119. Northern Iowa at 120. Uh, scrolling down to see where UIC at 137. Uh, looking at Murray State at 150. Teams like that. Then you have to think it's scroll for a little bit more for a everybody else but i think chicago state um 321 so that's where they're still out and that's with the Yikes. win that's with the win i'm simo brad corn and his team 350 so one of the worst in the country there trying to see where valpo 314's down here um trying to see where uh austin p might have jumped to after their big win over us uh 249 so that's what 
team you lost to. Queens at 254, so a lot of A-Sun teams down there in the bottom, and you lost to that team on the net-wise. I think we fell to um, – I looked at it earlier. I think one 115, so we're similar in both. Um, going up to Indiana State, uh, they're at 13 now, so they jumped one spot since we last talked. Other schools in the Valley, scrolling down real Drake is the next highest at 57. So they were at 49, so they dropped even with a close win over Grambling. Um, obviously, that's other schools winning too there. Then the next highest in the net rating would be, I mean, Wichita at 94, so there's there. Then Valley-wise, you got Bradley 96, UIC 97. So UIC getting a lot of shine, even still top 100 with their loss against Green Bay, Missouri State at 107. Then just trying to think where other teams down in the bottom of the league, looking at where maybe uh, Austin P was in this. Chicago State is 317 in net, so they're still at the bottom of the barrel. Um, Valpo at 290. Um, then I was going to scroll up and see if I if there was similar to Ken Palm. SIUE's at 244. Green Bay's at 238, so they just knocked off. So we got some upsets happening. Uh, Slew at 225, they fell off a cliff. Want to talk about free falling? They slew after we blew them out and their collapse against Drake. They are free falling. Illinois State's at 198. Murray State at 190. So got some teams down there in net, net and Ken Palm. So uh, we thought it was a strong. I mean we. What was a strong start to the Valley non-con is starting to slip away a little bit, but I mean, we're still, I mean, 116, 115. If we can finish the season in the top above that, I'd say, I mean, obviously you'll end up a successful season and probably right away where you predicted, I think you around 20 wins ish uh, where you'll end up. But if you finish below that, probably end up where in the one fifties where I predicted, 16 wins on the season yeah that's where i think we whether it was on the pod or in general agreeing that like anywhere between 16 and 20 is where we thought this team would be and it again it helps the home wins and it hurts when you lose to teams like that and obviously that factors into the rest of the season but yeah at least hopefully be a, a top 100 net all season i mean ken pump set the different stat as well that they're both different. And even Ned on the website, they have our third loss on here before they even have our sixth win. So I don't know what's to do with that, what they counted as. But, um, yeah, UIC being that high, just because I'm going through some of, some of the st- – some that stick out to me, they're five and four. But or what it says on here, it might be different. But they're really good against three-point. They're the really good three-point defense. And a lot of other, you know, other stats that factor into a lot of these different things. But, yeah, Missouri State's ahead of us. As you said, Evansville is right ahead of us. And even – Teams like, you know, Oklahoma State is down there to like 147. So it's like even the spot that we think we're in is kind of like, you know, it's not too low. It's not too high, but we're still ahead. I mean, Indiana is 123 and they're seven and two. So it's like a lot of different things and to each their own and what they think about. Now, obviously, these stats are really important, but some of them like wouldn't make sense and vice versa. So, um, you know, it's decent standing where it stands now. But obviously, you know, win tomorrow propels you even more. And and that's just a game-by-game thing. And it's, of course, important, as we know. So, um, yeah, some of those teams you said, Illinois State's almost 200. It's like, 
goodness. So it's, you know, it is. It's just a game-by-game thing and how teams are playing. It shows you the teams you can and can't lose to at the end of the day. So um, crazy that Chicago State couldn't get out of the 300s at least on some of those. Uh, so, yeah, that's where things rank with that. We wanted to touch on this. Of course it's important because it'll matter for us. Before long, we'll get our own Arch Madness all-session passes and tickets are available as of today, they're making a big deal about that. We knew about that on Tuesday. They were sneak peeking. They'd be on sale, and they are officially on sale now. So, of course, we'll get ours, like I said, before long. It's always an important thing. It's what everybody strives for. It's just a, the best weekend of the year in our eyes in some aspects, sports-wise, and wh- how much fun we're able to have, all that that we know about it. So, everybody get – that's what you people should do. Just, you know, get a good place downtown, tough up the money for all-session, and go to all the games because it is really fun because clearly, you know, us in particular, we know about these teams, you know, back, you know, front and back to where even some that don't look at it that way, it's still fun to go watch basketball all day and to and from the arena going doing a lot of different things. So tickets are on sale. Everybody go get that when you can. Um, no, it's time to talk about the old rival that is the Wichita State Shockers. They are seven and three on the season. They themselves have had a week off. You, We were on the phone talking after the game on the way home on Tuesday and was talking about, you know, they're at home and they're off. It's literally exactly almost how we were for this game. And I didn't factor that into the what takeaway was we had awesome momentum after that game to where, you know, it's not a warranted excuse. It's like, well, I think I remember saying that's like, gosh, we don't play for another week. You know, it'd be really not. And we were getting through finals and all that stuff. It'd be really nice to play right away. Like this team's riding something here. So, you know, Wichita is going to be on their own break and we'll see if it factors into them. But before we dive into the no, we know what they've been in the past. And it's been so funny. They've been out of the league. We haven't played them since 2017. We're going to their arena place where I think we've had them won in and so, so long because we know how dominant those shocker teams were. They were so fun to watch. We recall that 2016 game when we were the 20-something win team, Anthony Bean on the team, and Fred and them boys came in here and waxed us in one of the biggest games we can remember. It was almost pretty much a sellout at SAU Arena, and so they wiped us, and those teams were awesome. I'd say that it was so fun watching them in the tournaments whenever they got there, whether it was the Shamit teams after the great teams or obviously the Fred, Ron Baker, Evan Wessel, uh Tequila Cotton, all those guys, Clay Anthony Early, those teams were incredible. Fred Van Fleet might be my favorite non-SIU Valley player ever. Followed him a lot through the NBA, love him still. I mean, Noah, clearly they're not the same team they were then. They have a different coach. Greg, uh, Greg Marshall has had a lot of issues at the end of his tenure, and he got fired for a lot of crazy reasons. But, no, we shouldn't look at them the same way as they were then. We were scared to death of them back then. And whether they're still a great home team or not, this is teams that you should use. Honestly, you're not saying you should go beat, but you should compete to win. What do they have to offer nowadays? They do have a new coach. And clearly, let's dive into their personnel because they have some interesting names, some teams we've known about before, some guys who they didn't even have last year that they now have. They're an interesting team. Let's dive into them. Yeah, it's definitely, I mean, over the years, like you said, they're not the same team they were back before they left the Valley. I mean, even since they left the Valley, still following along pretty closely and players that I've watched over the years, obviously, that's where Austin Reeves, now playing for the Lakers before he went to Oklahoma, started. And uh, Craig Porter Jr., who you and I got to see in person at Vincennes University before he went to Wichita. Now he's playing for my Cleveland Cavaliers as a rookie and playing pretty well when he gets to play. Um 
but yeah, I mean, this is a team where, like you mentioned, since they left the Valley, they're on their third coach. Marshall, gone. Isaac Brown, terrible, gone. Paul Mills now in there, who was a longtime assistant under Scott Drew at Baylor before getting that head coaching job at Oral Roberts in 2017, um, since four seasons with the Golden Eagles. So definitely a, a, a really good coach and upgrade since they've been there. Um, maybe at the level as Greg Marshall as well, if he gets time here and put together um, some players like he did at Oral Roberts with obviously Max Admis and uh, the Arkansas guy that's seven five, Connor Vanover, and obviously uh, forget the kid that originally went to uh, Texas Tech to play as well. So he's got some talent. He's got he got a lot of talent at Oral Roberts, and now if he can get some talent at Wichita, off to a seven and three start. Um, Guys we know, I mean, obviously, Xavier Bell, we were in on him out of the portal a couple of years ago, uh, trying to get him here. He's averaging 14 a game. He's a guy to watch out for. Um, at 6'2", he's a guard, so the directional transfer, I wonder exactly what kind of matchup maybe that will end up probably being Xavier's matchup to start with. Um, then Colby Rogers leading the way for him, 17 points a game. He is a Sienna transfer, redshirt junior, 6'4". Um, expect maybe uh, Trent to start on him. If all lineups say the same recently, then really guys that we're, we may struggle with, uh, Kenny Poto, he's a 6'10 big man. He's just uh, a dominant junior, uh, a Swedish guy that can come in and dominate. He's averaging on the season 12 12 points and almost eight rebounds a game. I mean, 13 and eight, if you round everything up, uh, pretty good. I mean, he blocks shots and he can always, he can assist a little bit too. Um, then other guys, Quincy Ballard's a, a, a guy they also start at 6'11", Florida State transfer, former three-star prospect that Hamilton down there at Florida State loves to get his hands on those seven-footers or almost seven-footers and stuff like that. So, that's a guy that he's going to give Clarence, and uh, if Scotty don't play in this game, I, I'll be done with Brian Mullins to this point. But uh, this is a game where Scotty's going to have to play, and if we can get Jarrett with those two, 6'11", 6'10", uh, it's going to have the handfuls for our bigs. Uh, but guys, also guys, Dalen Ridgenau, we know well, went to Missouri State from Georgia. Didn't really – I mean, had some good games, can really shoot it, but he's struggling – a little bit this year, only shooting 28% from three, but didn't really get along or well with Dana, I guess. Something happened there. But other than that, they play Isaac Abide, another guy, a little bit here and there, but six, eight forward. But a lot of guys not really deep. I mean, they play a lot of guys, but they could pinch with potentially us getting Jarrett back. They could get Colby or Ronnie DeGray the third, a Missouri transfer six six guy back to help their depth. But this is another where we have the depth advantage. They play they don't really play any other body else. I mean, Jacob Germany's a guy we saw way back in the day under Brian's first year down at, at UTSA when he was a three star coming out. But other than that, they don't have a lot of depth and play high minutes, a lot of their five star or four of their starters all playing over 30 minutes a game. So uh, Harlan Beverly's the other guy. He's been banged up, only only played nine of their games so far. But definitely going to be a difficult matchup, a lot of length to deal with. But 
I mean, this isn't a team that's better than Oklahoma State. I mean, you're going into a toxic – or not toxic uh, – a tough environment to play and have a lot of talent. So it's definitely going to be an uphill battle for our squad coming off a lot of guys playing a lot of minutes. Exactly, and even how they manage theirs. I mean, they at least have – seven guys that play and they all average 20 or more. So that's how you manage it. And I haven't really looked to see what ours is, you know, spaced out as, and we don't have our healthy guys. You mentioned how they have a guy who's going to be eligible to play now too. So yeah. And that factors into their depth as well. There's a lot of things there. I mean, you said, I mean, if we were playing these guys at home, I'd be pretty confident, but the fact that our only true road game, we, you know, we've, we were one and one on, Neutral court should be James Madison, as we know, and then we got smoked by Indiana State on the road. This is only our second true road game, which that kind of, you know, lends itself to be like, okay, yeah, no matter how they are, it's a team that, yeah, isn't as good as Oklahoma State. You know, they're good in their own way, but the fact that you're going on the road and it's tough and um, that size you were talking about, the fact that they're willing to start Poto with Ballard is kind of insane. You would have figured that original, who's like a perfect four-man, could start for them. Uh, yeah, I don't know if original had difficulties with Dana. It seemed like that was the case. He was a really late portal addition. And even through all like the deadlines for doing everything with that, he was able to go there. Uh, Rodney and Luke were talking about how, or Luke on his own Saluki royalty had, um, their uh, radio guy for 44 years talking about original that apparently like a, around when they made an overseas trip, like a two days before he got cleared and he didn't know anything of like, you know, obviously what they had going on. He just joined them on that trip and played in that and played well. And then the rest is history to this point, but uh, he's shooting 40%. I mean, he's, he's getting that eight and eight average, which is exactly the, the amount of, you know, what the stat line was he had against us in Arch Madness this past year. He had eight and eight and mattered in that game. Uh, so it was a weird thing that he left there. And of course he lands here and we knew about it immediately clearly when we known about this game and him going there ironically, but yeah, they're interesting. Yeah. They're not deep and they have size. And you mentioned Germany. I remember him now that you said that I wouldn't have known that I was trying to think of where he was from, but it was all the way back then to when we saw them yeah, in person, but Xavier Bell and Rogers is the thing. And they said, Rogers, obviously he had the two time transfer rule last year and didn't play. Now he is. And he scored 17. So really two really good guards. They start two 6'10 guys and, you know, they'll sprinkle in all those other guys and whoever else starts for him. But you said it, if Scotty doesn't play, I I can't foresee it. Like the reason why Scotty I'm thinking didn't play the last time is because we didn't think we needed a center, a 6'10 guy against that thing, even though again, the matchup was there to take advantage of it. This game, you have no choice. You cannot beat these guys on the road with Troy and Clarence and Sprinkle and Jarrett, hopefully, and Yovan as your as your quote unquote bigs. You just can't do it. You need all the rebounding you can get because they seem like guys to me. And I haven't really looked. Let's look real fast. Ballard is shooting fifty four percent from the free throw line, and Poto is shooting fifty eight percent. So even if Scotty comes in and fouls them. That saves clock and it saves opportunities. You don't want to get them in the bonus too early if he does it, just to match them in rebounds. And if you foul them, they're poor free throw shooters. So that can matter in the game too. So all that stuff factors in. So, so yeah, it is a tough one. And we're going into Charles Coke Arena, which again, we out of the seven, last 17 times we've played Wichita, we've lost 15 of them. And again, that factors into the great teams that they had before. But even this team now that is difficult to play and especially on the road. So, no, now factoring into some predictions here. Obviously, you know, 
if we sprinkle in Jared, everything else is the same. We don't expect Jared to play. I want to say people were mentioning how maybe it was uh, uh, Bucky Dent mentioning how we'll see AJ after Christmas, which seems like that's where this is headed anyway, maybe through the new year. We thought, you know, at first it was always he got a fractured ankle, which seems like that could have been the case. And we noticed Oklahoma or these past couple games, he didn't have anything on his foot. So he, he might be a little closer, but need him. He's not going to play. So other than that, it should be the same lineup. Kennard's going to have to be big for us again in this one. If you were to dive into, you know, uh, what a spread could be on the road. I mean, we don't know about it just yet for this game. We'll be underdogs, but I don't think it'll be too crazy. Your thoughts on that? And then go ahead with – Who's got to come up big for this dog team tomorrow? Clearly, it's like a team effort. Everybody has to at this point. But if you were to if you were to dive into one, who would that be? And then dive into obviously tying into the spread. What you think? Who comes out on top tomorrow at six o'clock? Yeah, uh, it's going to be a tough one. I actually do. It. I just uh, about right when we hopped on, it came out. It opened at four. It is at four and a half now. So four and a half point dog. Thought it might be a little bit more. Uh, be on the road, um, but obviously with our net and everything, all the other ratings are pretty still high up there. So uh, over under of 141 and a half right now. So um, I would probably take that under in this game because uh, yeah. that's just the style of play of both teams. But um, yeah, definitely. I mean, I think, I think somebody's going to have to step up. So I think Trent Brown with a bounce back game, uh, knocked down, three 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 or four threes in this one to give us a lift if you want to have a chance in this one and obviously uh exactly who he guards either rogers or bell he's gonna have to step up and uh guard one of their elite scorers so i think trent brownson back expecting him to continue uh, i know he's had a lot on his shoulders and keeping that being a top five three points percentage i'm not exactly haven't looked where he ended up after being over two the other night but um Continue just a strong bounce back season. I know a lot of guys are expected to have bounce back games, the whole team, but we know what X is potentially going to do. Hopefully he can keep it going. But um, I expect maybe about a, a five or six point loss. If I were, if I didn't know what the spread was, I was going to probably about say five and a half, six. Um, so I'd say about a six point loss on the road, which I expect a hard fought team, hard fought game and expect a lot more energy and effort out of this team after some of the guys, what they did the other night. Yeah, there was a stat, and I don't have it in front of me right now, that Luke Luke said about either wins or stats or something following losses. You know, we're, we're usually pretty good off of losses, and that's the biggest thing. And you have to – you just have to obviously – because I feel like the team needs that. You know, they saw, you know, just if, if the players or staff got on, like, Facebook to see, like, what people say after, like, you know, after losses or even what our tweets look like, and it's like – you know, if that didn't ring true to them, like, yeah, we need to play better for because we just go back to when that game got out of hand and or as soon as X turned it over at the end, we saw people heading for the exit as quick as they could. And that's just a sight that we know Brian doesn't want to see what the team doesn't want to see or how preached about how great this place is. Like you never put yourself in a, in a, in a, in a thing, definitely at home to where people give up on you in a game and leave like that. Cause it's, it's a bad scene. So it's like, you need a bounce back in the biggest way, and that's what we said. You needed that win so bad because you go into a game where your back is against the wall. Like It's not like you're playing ultimate power five team on the road, but you're playing, again, a place that's hard to win and a tough team that has a lot of advantages over you. So, um, yeah, and like I said, at the beginning of the year, I picked this. I was 100% before Austin P. 
And I'm going to stick with that one as well. I think we'll lose a close one as well. Just keep within 10 points. Obviously, we think we have a chance to win, and hopefully we do. It would do wonders for this team going towards the end of non-conference, as we know. Uh, yeah, we're both going to go with um, guys who are going to rebound here. I'm going to – or um, back up their poor play. Previously, I'm going to go with Clarence because I feel like if we didn't have a big pick in this game against two six ten guys, I don't know what we'd be doing. I mean, again, the, the moments Clarence had against Oklahoma State getting those offensive boards – or that that key offensive rebound and the put back in the end one. So it's like, you know, the moments are there. And if he can do it against guys who are taller than him, let alone guys who are thicker, moved him out of the way, like Austin P. Big, we just need, you know, him and Scotty just have to be massive in this. It has to be a game where we can match their big men because they'll block shots and they'll just factor in the paint where X won't be able to get as much in the paint. So X needs help. That's bottom line. And his 25, four and five assists on the season – I mean, he's just doing it all. He needs help. He averages 25. The next closest Clarence with 9.9. And it, it's pretty good depth with doing it. We talked about how there's like five guys, five or six guys with eight or more. Uh, but the disparity there is crazy. So X definitely needs to help. Hopefully the dogs can give it to him. Know your final thoughts. Yeah, it's going to be an exciting game to to watch. Obviously going back to Wichita and a lot of, a lot of games watched throughout my years at that arena. So obviously – we know exactly um, what they do out there. So expecting, hopefully, come back with a upset win on the road and another quality win for our team. So um, obviously, six o'clock game for us. So get get home and get home from work and get ready to go because hopefully the guy's got something going. Hopefully X continues his great ways. We expect it from him. And like I said, it's a roller coaster of a season so far with some guys and expecting it. So going to be a tough one. Uh, I definitely think we have what it takes to pull it out, but I think we just fall just short. And it's rightfully so. So we'll see what the dogs have in them because they need this game just for the, how bad the last one was. As we know, they just need a bounce back and we'll see if they have it in them tomorrow at the aforementioned six o'clock. Hope everybody else is watching just like us. So for Nick Malone. No alerts. See you guys early next week. Go dogs.